There's no more nuts. There's a nuts shortage. <laughs> On nuts. Thanks, COVID-25. <laughs> oh, no, no. No! <laughs> and the toilet paper's gone again. Ready. This is why Justin Bieber broke That's his true. hip. Anyway. Yeah. Because uh, they were out of nuts. You're listening to the Remarka Brand Podcast, where authentic brands win. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the very first and inaugural episode of the Remarka Brand Podcast. It's both first and inaugural. The first and inaugural, Sam. I'm here. This is Mike Jones. And I'm, I got David across from me. Yes, David sir. David Cosand. Hello, everybody. I'm so excited for this, David. And then over here, to my right, David's left. Sam Pagel. Your center, center between your headphones. Yeah. Sam Pagel. It's a sandwich. It's a sandwich. Indeed. Oh, man. We're starting off strong today. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited for this episode because we're going to talk about our favorite topic, which is, of course, brand identity. How could we not? I mean, it's our first episode of the Remarkable Brand Podcast. And we're going to talk about brand identity. This is what we do. Yeah, it's what we do. We're going to talk about what it is, why it's important, maybe give some examples. I think we're going to get into some like hot topics like, you know, Russian vodka. I think that's going to come up at some point here. Uh, of course. You know, what kinds of cultural trends might be influencing your brand and what you do about that. I'm excited for that conversation. But before we do that, we're going to do something really fun that we're now doing on every episode from here on out for the rest of eternity. We're committing to it. We're doing improv. Yes. David, what's improv? Yes, and improv. Improv is making stuff up, pretty much. I mean, you know, without a script, just kind of making up stories. I feel like you just made that up. I did. There is no script here. No, there's no script. (laughs) On this podcast, we are making it up. Technically, there's like, I don't know, 20 words written on a whiteboard yes i think that's that's what we have for a script about 20 yeah yeah but we're gonna do some improv yeah we're gonna do something called name 10 things david what is name 10 things name 10 things okay this is a great improv exercise that you know it's like it's like a warm-up right it's to get your blood flowing kind of in your improv brain using those muscles that are saying oh i don't know i gotta you know trying to get you out of your comfort zone get you out of the first few ideas that pop into your head go deeper than that so that's why we have 10 things because those first four or five okay you can pretty much you know think of those first four or five things but once you get into six seven eight it gets a little wacky and that's good and there's no wrong answers that's the other thing is Mm -hmm. it gets people used to just making stuff up without fear of judgment fear of being criticized it uh, stretches those creative you know juices yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. all right so you guys ready all right sam lay it on us mike and david are going to go back and forth that's right Naming 10 cultural hot topics <laughs> from the future. Oh, from wow. the future. Okay. Let's hear them. <laughs> uh, There's nudity in Big Boss Baby 6. <laughs> that's one. That's a big, that's a big deal. <laughs> I think there already is nudity. They're babies. <laughs> one. Um, Russia uses NFTs to attack China. Oh, that's two. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Justin Timberlake fell and broke his hip. Three. <laughs> I don't know. Justin Timberlake died. Four. Four. From Aww. skydiving. Um, post post op from his hip replacement. <laughs> uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba became a desert. <laughs> that's all I got. 
That's five. Five. Uh, Let's go. Texas annexes northern Mexico. Six. Six. Uh, your supermarket is out of toilet paper. Seven. <laughs> your supermarket is back in stock with toilet paper. <laughs> That's a crisis. Um, There's too much. It's everywhere. Too uh, much wiping. Electric vehicles all stop working at the same time. Ooh. Nine. Elon Musk buys Amazon. Ten. Hostile, ta- hostile takeover. Yeah. Hey, that was interesting. That was. And, that was and Jeff, weird. And Jeff Bezos uh, buys Tesla. <laughs> they do a swap. They do a trade. <laughs> Tradesies. <laughs> I wonder why. I've always wanted a Tesla. <laughs> Maybe Justin Timberlake broke his hip because he was getting out of the Tesla. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. The, real, the real question there is like, why, why is, why are each of those things, the cultural hot topics? Like, you know, right. what, what is everyone like uh, upset about? Oh yeah. Oh, Justin Timberlake broke his hip because of, uh, I don't know. COVID. COVID. Uh, COVID <laughs> 25. Yeah. Right. Should have said something like everyone stops buying Italian ice. Oh, that's, yeah. that's a tragedy. Yep. Because, I don't know. because of Italy. Because of Italy. You because, know, because you know what the, they did, right? The spaghetti strike of 2019. <laughs> I mean, 2029. They stopped making pasta. <laughs> <laughs> no more pasta. Find your frequency. David, I am so excited. We're going to talk about brand identity. Sweet. Why are we going to talk about brand identity, though? Like, well, who cares? That's what we love. That's what we care about. That's we do. We do care about it's our it. thing. We are championing authentic identity. Yeah. But why? Who cares? Why authentic? Yeah. Why is it important? Yeah. Well, what is it? Well, maybe that's where we start. Yeah. We believe uh, that identity is something that's not superficial, that there's actually an objective identity that can be discovered. We believe this is true of people. Yep. And we believe that because brands and companies and organizations are made out of people, it's not just some kind of thing. No, it's these people that make this company. Because there's people there, then that brand then has an identity that can be discovered. Hmm. That's authentic. And there's like a almost like a unique <clears throat> kind of uh, grain to that company because of those people, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So there's like no that. such thing as a faceless corporation. Well, <laughs> ooh. <laughs> We're already getting deep. You're already jumping in the deep end, man. We're we're Sorry. just dipping our toe in the water, and he goes all the way to like the big, big, yeah, questions. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's important. Why is it important? Because people do business with people. Mm-hmm. People have relationships with people, and people have relationships with companies. And there's ways those relationships can be uh, impacted deeply by the brand and how well articulated or well defined that brand is. And the the feelings that are associated with that brand, and that play into that you know interaction between the the audience and and the brand. So. Yeah, and I think something we've talked a lot about over the years is like that brands exist to serve people, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's part of their identity is like finding out what is it we're uniquely like suited to do in this world as this group of people on this kind of mission with this kind of purpose. Who are we best able to help, right? Who mm-hmm. can we serve best? And if you don't really nail down what your brand is, you don't know what this identity is, you don't have answers to any of those questions, 
then you're not able to serve people as well as you could as an organization. Um, and I think that that's part of it too. It's like relationship, but it's not just like, oh, we have a relationship because we want money or we have a relationship because we just want to have a sense of connection. Those are important maybe, but it's that like, hey, we're here to do something. We really want to help people. Um, and right. so, I mean, well, I'm sure we'll dig more into that either in this episode or another one, but um, I think that's that's a really key part of this is that like this is not intended just to be like, oh, let's figure out who we are just so we can feel better about ourselves, but that we can actually go and do something well for someone else. Right. And it's too often it's kind of skipped over like uh, companies are quick to get to the what. Yeah. And um, logo. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or just the what do we sell? Right. Yeah. Let's get let's yeah. get to the revenue. Let's get to the Products. sales. Right. Um, but well, let's think about the why Kit Kats. And, and the who and the how. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Kit Kats. Let's we just want to get straight to the candy. Right. We just it's so <laughs> sweet. And I want a break. I don't know. See, it's right yeah. there. There's a brand association with Kit Kat. So, okay, let's, let's take this. Let's run with it. So, okay. I'm a company mm-hmm. for a group of people, and we make candy bars. Yum. Okay. I could go for one. So, we could, if we're thinking about our brand, and we're thinking about, okay, how should we how should we look? How should we sound? We could take a lot of inspiration from our candy bar, right? Couldn't sure. we? We could, uh, well, it has nuts, so maybe... Our brand looks a little brown because it's covered <laughs> in chocolate and it sounds a little crunchy because <laughs> right. there's some wafer in there. And we're kind of nutty and how we're we a little nutty because we have nuts in yeah. there. So is that okay? I mean, is it okay? Is it permissible? Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> like, not, not, <laughs> not just permissible, but is that like, is that the, is right that the way kind of depth that we want to think about there, here? There's, no, there, there's not a whole lot of depth to that. In yeah. fact, you're just going straight to the what instead of yeah. thinking about the why. So what's the what's the downstream issue with that, right? Yeah. I mean, I talk about this all the time. It's like, okay, so if you brand yourself after your product, well, I'm probably going to guess that within three years, you're probably going to add a product to your product line, right? Yeah, especially if nobody likes nuts or if you're, you're yeah, ran, you ran out of nuts. You ran out of nuts. There's no or... more nuts. There's a nuts shortage. <laughs> On nuts. Thanks, COVID-25. <laughs> oh, no, no. No. <laughs> and the toilet paper's gone again. Ready. Or everyone has a nut allergy now. This is why right. Justin Bieber broke That's his true. hip. Anyway. Yeah. Because uh, they were out of nuts. Oh, nuts. Um, <laughs> he was so, trying to find more in the but tree. But yeah, like, or maybe, maybe even you did such a great job selling candy bars that everyone who wants your candy bar has your candy bar. Right. And you're like, ah, we kind of want to do more, right? Right. We're yeah. creative. We want to we wanna create something else. We want to help more people feel better yeah. about the sugar that's going into their stomachs. But you're now the nut brand. Yeah. Uh, so, and everybody, like Sam said, I like so that. So you can't do anything but nuts now, right? Right. And you had a nut allergy. Mm. Well, then do you care about those customers? Yeah. So, hmm. 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 It's limiting. Right. But also it's, it's, uh, su- it's superficial, superficial, right? There's not a whole lot of depth to it. Like, you know, and if you're selling candy bars, okay, like how, how deep do you need to go? I can hear somebody being like, well, like, what's the big deal? Why do I need to spend, you know, so yeah. much time and effort into the the why and and the values of my, my brand for a candy bar? Well, we have, uh, we have some uh, examples of companies that have done well with brands. Mm-hmm. And then that increases their bottom line. That increases their longevity. It increases their... Uh, the perception that they, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the, uh, 
way that customers uh, stay in, in relationship with them, that you're that you have loyal customers stick around for a while. Yep. Right? Branding helps with that. It, yep. it uh, enhances that relationship that you have. Yeah. So it is important, even if you're selling. Even if you're bars. selling nutty or, candy bars. Or if you're like B2B service companies, that yep. kind of thing. Yep. No, I think, and that's, I think, uh, you know, that, that comes up a lot because we work with a lot of B2B companies and they're like, oh, that's just for those B2C companies. And it's <laughs> like, well, are you still serving people? Right. Are you building relationships? In fact, I would argue it's maybe even more critical to be deep with your B2B brand because you're having to build relationships across multiple people at your client organization, right? You're having to interact with probably you know, at least three, if not five to maybe even a dozen decision makers in a single sale. And that means that if your brand is off at all, or there's any confusion to it, that sale is not going to happen, right? If one of those decision makers has a different idea about what you do or how you do it or why you do it, then it's probably not going to happen. There's a lot less room for error, in my opinion, right? Selling candy bars, you know, there's room for error, but there's a little <laughs> less, right? Like you either like it or you don't, right. <laughs> you know, and, and you probably only have one person that's going to sit there and make a decision to buy it. But yeah. And, and it feels like, um, you know, the temptation is just to do something quick, mm -hmm. whether it's B2B or B2C, just yep. come up with something that looks good. Uh, you know, looks good is very subjective, though. And what we're arguing for here is that there's something objective yep. about I identity. There's something that's unique and intrinsic to that group of people that 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 organization. So I think that's the hard part. Is like, do you do you want to just settle for you know like something that's good enough? And a lot of companies do this, and it might still be successful. But we're arguing that there's something deeper there to be discovered, which gets you a bigger payoff yep. in the long run, right? Yep. Yeah, and I think if you the good enough is only <clears throat> good enough for now, right? It's never good enough for the long term. And we see that like time and time and time again working with clients who, you know, and and at some level like I don't I don't fault anyone who's like just sure. getting started, you have no money, you're bootstrapping your startup or your new business. Yeah, you just kind of do what you need to do. Maybe you don't even know really what you're doing yet. You don't really have a sense of product and service yet. And you're just trying stuff and you're taking on clients and you're just doing the work. And there's probably an element of like, yeah, just, just, it's okay. It's okay to have something less than, you know, less thought out, less deep. But just know if you want to grow, you're going to have to get to a point where you have to start answering those questions about like, well, why do we really exist? What are the values by which we do business? What is the personality of this of this firm that we're building, this culture that we have? And that's not just on the customer side, that's also on the like staff and employee side, right? Like those have those have benefits not just for relationships outside of your organization, but also internally of like who's a good fit? Who who's going to really make sense here and help us grow? And who's going to maybe hold us back because they believe a different way of doing business or they're just into something totally different than what we're doing, right? Um, they're not as passionate and so they're not going to last. And so like, I think there's, there's ways to think about that. Like, Hey, brand is a lot bigger than just the marketing side. It's really about the whole identity the whole culture. Um, 
the whole sense of who you are as an organization. And that has benefits across all of your relationships, not just on the marketing side. Yeah. The phrase we use is find your frequency. Yep. And I kind of want to dissect that. Yeah. Like there's a lot there. There's a lot of juicy nuggets in Mm -hmm. that. Find. It doesn't mean like go invent your frequency, go, you know, create your identity. No, it's discover it. Mm-hmm. Um, your meaning it's specific to you. <laughs> you know, it's yep. not, it's not what you see your neighbor doing or what you see, you know, your competitors doing. Yep. I mean, yes, you can admire other companies and what they're doing. Sure. You can take cues and, and kind of see how they've been successful, but it still needs to be unique to you. Mm-hmm. And then frequency, there's this deep kind of resonance that we have. That's the imagery we, we like to use yep. at Resound, but there's this kind of like core uh, frequency that is deep underneath the surface that we're trying to discover yeah. that belongs to you. It's unique to you. And it, you know, it makes me think of like when you're kind of getting out of high school and into college and out of college, going into the job market, trying to figure out who you are, you're, you kind of discover by trying things out, right? There's mm-hmm. going to be the early part of your career is not going to look yeah. like most likely. Let's just try stuff. So, yeah. And see what sticks. So, but there's a temptation to keep trying to reinvent yourself. And I think that's what we see with our, our clients sometimes or with companies out there that are like, they're, they're trying too hard to invent or mm-hmm. to put some new fresh coat of paint on, right? Or just them. taking cues from outside of right. themselves as to what they think they should be, right? right? Yep. And that's kind of like, you know, that's not the, it's missing out on the discovering aspect. Yeah. Like, sure, you're going to try different things as you're starting out a business. Um, you're going to make acquisitions. You're going to get acquired. You're going to, you know, have shifts in products. There's no more nuts, whatever. Yep. So that's going to affect kind of your, your strategy and, and how you think about identity and how you think about branding. But um, as long as you're taking, you're taking the moment to stop and kind of reflect mm-hmm. and like, okay, what have we learned? Let's kind of and, and maybe have someone on the outside come in and, and help you with that, right? Like, yeah. let's help you evaluate. Yeah. Let's help you discover yep. that. Yeah, and it can be, you know, it's not just, <laughs> you know, a plug for consultants and agencies, but even like having that conversation with your customers, right? Oh, yeah, And, and asking and, and diving deep with them. Of how are like, we doing? How are we doing? And, and what brought you in and what keeps you here, right? Right. Where do you see us line up? with, you know, when we say these things, does that line up with what you know about us and the experience that you've had? Um, and then same thing internally, like asking your team, right. And really trying to uncover like, Hey, you, you know, Hey Joe, you've been here six months, right? These are our core values that we talk about. Does that resonate with the experience you had coming into our organization? You, you came in pretty fresh. You haven't been there that here that long. You know, what's your experience been? Do these things resonate or do you see disconnect? Um, and same thing for, you know, Julie, who's been there, you know, 40 years, uh, <laughs> whatever Julie's doing. My first thought, somebody that's in a position in a company for 40 years is like, uh, they're probably, you know, the accountant. <laughs> that's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that Julie is. Julie, the accountant. Julie, the accountant. Yeah. Do, you, um, do you have some examples of like brand identities, Mike, that you think have stood the test of time? Well, yeah, but they're like cliche. So, I mean, we should talk about them. I mean, you know, Nike's the one that always comes up. You know, swoosh. the swoosh. And, and you know, I, I talk about like, are there certain, are there certain circumstances within a single example that you're like, those aren't duplicatable? Sure. Right. You know, there's timing. There's, there's other elements to that. But I do think there are elements and there's principles that Nike has taken over the years. And we could argue whether they've strayed from those more recently. But, you know, if you think about like, what do they really stand for? What are they all about? Um, 
most people know them from their product line, primarily from shoes, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a history there. There's they're rooted in shoes. They were a, you know, a shoe company making running shoes for professional runners. That's how they started. That was the only product they had for over a decade. But you think about okay, what's their product line now? It's oh yeah, their shoes, but all types of athletic shoes. There's athletic apparel. There's you know. You can buy Nike swoosh basketballs. You can. Don't they have like headphones or something? They have headphones now. I mean, they got. They even have like a running app, right? So kind of software tech is in there. Um, They're doing a lot of things, but what kind of grounds everything they do is, hey, we want to help people achieve athletic victory. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about, okay, what is the Nike brand? That that's at the heart of it, and it gives a sense of purpose. It not only provides a sense of like direction, right? Athletic, right? So there's a direction there. There's certain things they're probably never going to get into mm-hmm. because they just don't have to do with athletics. Like vodka? Like vodka. That would be weird. Nike, <laughs> Nike vodka. vodka. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's got electrolytes. Um, but on the flip side, it also provides a lot of opportunity, right? They're not, they're not a product, f- like they're not branded on a specific product like they could have just said, "All right, we're Nike, the professional running shoe company," and but that's all they would ever do, right? If that's right. how you branded it. But they didn't. They said, "No, we're about athletic victory," and kind of leaves it wide open in terms of the actual products and services they provide, as long as they fit that mission. Um, and there's certainly a sense of way of doing things. There's an aesthetic to what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even just, you know, a conscious decision that they're going to be very celebrity forward in a lot of their messaging and, you know, showcasing and, and sponsoring people who are achieving athletic victory. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all rooted back in that that same kind of heart of what they're doing. And I think that's one of the reasons why, like, you know, they came up with that tagline, just do it with Wyden and Kennedy, their agency back in, I think it was like 87, something like that. Um, one of the reasons why that was so great was because it wasn't rooted in a specific product. It was rooted in the ethos of, of Nike, you know, just do it. And it, you know, stood a lot longer than most marketing taglines stand yeah, because I mean, of that. I don't even know if they have to use that tagline. People still, yeah. it's so well known. Yeah. They just associate it with it. Yep. And I guess, so, you know, I'm, I'm curious why would not should, but why would Nike make a decision to be like, oh, we're not going to be about you know, athletic victory or yeah. achievement. What, if they suddenly decided, oh, we're going to be about um, mental health yeah. and wellness, and they kind of start blurring or moving into that direction or something, when would they choose to do that? Should mm. they do that? Why wouldn't they do that? Because mm. I don't know. Because I'm thinking about like um, brands that change or shift, yeah. or maybe you didn't find your, your kind of that sweet spot just yet, so you're trying to... Yep experiment explore like nike doesn't have to do that i guess is the point no they don't already established themselves like yeah and that grain again like going back to the idea of like if nike's a piece of wood it has a certain grain to it Mm -hmm. right and so like you know if you're into carving wood there's certain things you can and can't do with a specific piece of wood because of the way that the grain is naturally in it. Right. It makes me think of paper. You know, you don't want to <laughs> paper. You yeah. don't want to carve against the grain, right? right. Um, it just makes things really hard. And there's certain things that you're going to have a much harder time doing. And so there's already like a pretty established grain at Nike. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, like, 
even if you go all the way back to like 1970s version of Nike, it's like their market was really small. It was like professional runners, but it was still about athletic victory. Mm-hmm. So I think that's some of it is like kind of determining as soon as possible, like what's the center of what we do? Like, what is it that we're just uniquely suited to do in the world? And maybe we don't know exactly what product we're going to do that with, or we don't know exactly what market we want to go after with that. That's going to have that, that resonance, but we know that there's a certain ethos to what we're doing. And and maybe that's not on, I mean, I I think that could be done day one. I think a founder could have that sense if they've done some, some, you know, some soul searching and some deep thinking and saying, Hey, we don't know exactly know what product. And I think you see that over and over and over again with big companies that we all perceive as really successful, right? You think of Nike, Starbucks, (laughs) Apple, I mean, we could probably go down the line and name every like fortune 500 company. The first 25 years of those companies is a lot of trial and error, right? Like it took 25 years to, for Apple to come out with the iPod, which was really the only, that was their first big, like mass market hit product. Before that, you know, they had computers, they'd gone through almost bankruptcy after Steve Jobs left, he comes back. Even then, like they got the iMac with like the weird colors and stuff. I had one. And, and people bought them, but it was pretty, it was pretty niche. It was creatives. Uh, they were pretty hot in the education market because they did a really good job getting into schools, mm-hmm. but they weren't like, you know, nobody working like in a nine to five office job used a Mac. No. Right. Um, and, and they certainly weren't your like personal <laughs> computer of choice that you had in your house for most people. Um, and it really wasn't until the iPod that took 25 years. Starbucks is the same things. It took 25 years for Starbucks to get their thousandth store in the United States. Hmm. Um, and so I think there's like an element of you can't wait 25 years to figure out what your ethos is. Right. Right. And what the center or the, the essence of your brand is. You need to have that figured out sooner than that. You might not have all the, all, all the extensions of that. Like, okay, well, how are we going to, live that out who are we going to sell these things to well that's that's to be figured out but having a sense you know like i think almost from day one steve jobs was like we're all about design right everything at apple is going to be well designed it's going to be about the user experience even down to like stuff that the user never sees like the hardware right you know like he'd preach to his like hardware teams all the time about you know it has to look really pretty inside even though no one's going to open these things up <laughs> um everything's got to be laid out like really well he's like i want that that ethos to carry through in everything that we do and it's interesting that it wasn't until he came back steve jobs yes. that is yeah that they they started to kind of regain that focus yeah. uh, and it extended across whether it was iTunes or iMacs or yeah. iPods or iPhones or iPads, yeah. that ethos came back. That yep. that that belief system, that identity was on full display. Yep. And it, it, I think that's a good case study. And you see that in a lot of these companies. You think of Phil Knight with Nike. You think of Steve Jobs with Apple. You can think of you know Howard Schultz with Starbucks. Someone has to champion that that essence and hold it like really tightly and say fight for it this is what we stand for because there's going to be so much temptation to stray from it um well yeah because in the case of apple it was like oh well we need to make clones or you know license things or they didn't know what they're doing no (laughs) no and some of that was you know the market 
sure. demands and if you're you know publicly owned and there's stockholders and they're demanding higher <laughs> stock value and like the more external voices you bring in that have a financial stake in the company the more opportunity there is for you to shift gears probably in a wrong direction i think we're seeing a lot of that right now mm-hmm. right yeah and i was hoping we could talk about that so like yep. when when do when do you advise yeah, maybe you should start exploring. You should start changing. Or maybe you haven't, like, is it when you haven't found that ethos yet and you're still exploring? Or when it's, yeah, you have something that's kind of caught on and it seems to resonate with customers, but something on the outside or maybe something in the inside of the company has changed, then what? Like, do we now, is it safe to go, well, is that who we really are? Maybe we're really more like this. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about acquisitions. I'm thinking about, you know, takeovers yeah <laughs> Elon, well, Elon Musk you know? yeah and I think that's those are really tough situations because I think if you haven't done that homework mm-hmm. right if you don't really know what your essence is yet everything's fair game there's no there's nothing constricting you from saying yes or no there's nothing to really guide you um, I'm sure I mean you can do a quick version of that and try to figure it out on the fly but by the time like Elon Musk is trying to take over your company, like it's probably too late to be honest. Mm. Um, or if you're doing a big acquisition that has like dramatic, you know, it's one thing to be like, okay, we're an 800 person company and we're going to acquire, you know, a little five person company and just absorb them. Right. The brand isn't going to be there anymore from their side. You're going to, you're going to continue to move forward with your brand. I mean, that's a talent acquisition, you know, really, uh, or maybe some IP, Um, but if you're like, no, we're going to merge with another 800 person company and you're an 800 person company. Okay. Well, that's going to have significant ramifications. Like do your cultures even align at all? Um, and I, I, I've talked with a lot of people who've gone through mergers and acquisitions where like the cultural element is always on the table. It's always something they're concerned about, but it's funny to me how often it's, it's like, oh, well, the stated values are pretty much the same. And so I think we're good. And then you talk to them like three years later and you're like, hey, who's left? Oh, well, we lost about 80% of our managers in the, in the merger over the three-year period. Yeah, because your cultures didn't actually match up. Right. Right? And so you actually ended up basically forcing one culture over the other in that process. And you know, maybe there's a business decision in there of like, well, it was worth it for the brand that they have and the client list that they have. And, you know, yeah, we triaged out a lot of people in that process, but whatever. Um, that's a lot of pain to go through though. That's a lot of pain. Yeah. Yeah. So the, I guess the state or like the maturity level of how well you've discovered or defined that identity yet. Yeah. And I think that's one of the cases I would I would say is an argument for doing it sooner than later, mm-hmm. right? Like the sooner you can kind of get on that train of this is who we are, this is our essence, this is our identity, we're not going to stray from it. Um, we've done it in such a way that we know the depth of it so that we have room for, you know, the, the products and services shouldn't be what drives the identity. And so if your identity is rooted in something deeper than product and service, it leaves a lot of opportunity on the product and service side, right? Mm-hmm. Then you can consider like spinning up new products, spinning up new services, perhaps acquiring another product or another service. But it's always within like we're holding fast to this identity when we do that. 
And anything that, that might jeopardize our identity in extending what we do and who we serve, if it's going to jeopardize that, we're not doing it, right? Uh, I think there's an opportunity there. It is a business. You can spin up a new identity, right? Yeah. Well, before but, we go down that path, I guess I'm curious. Would you say then that you have a better success, like chances of success if you've defined your identity and then gone out and changed products or you know yep. chosen a new avenue to pursue than the other way around? Like if your yep. identity was tied to that first successful product and then you go That's, in this other direction, it feels jarring to a customer. Taser. Yeah. Oh, tell me about Taser. <laughs> I mean, that's my, it's the easiest example. Axon? It's now Axon, right? Uh-huh. Why is that? Do you know the story of? No. So Taser sold Tasers for like 25 years. Right. Like stun guns for Stun police, guns for police, police officers. officers. Right. They basically sold one to every single agency on the planet. <laughs> and it, after 25 years, there's no more market. Right. And they tried to go into consumer. That failed. It didn't take... I want a taser. But they had other products. <laughs> they had other products that they were spinning up that were like body cams sure, or cloud, sure. you know, hosting the Sonic video. Sonic pulsar weapons. Yeah. That were named Axon. <laughs> and so what happens when they when they go, hey, we have to shift our strategy to go and sell all these other products and not the tasers anymore? Because the taser itself doesn't it's we've we've maxed out our market. There's no one left for us to sell to. And yeah, maybe these agencies will re-up in like 10 years. But in the meantime, we got we to gotta keep doing business. And we have these other products. And the Taser name is holding us back now. And so they rebranded into Axon. What's interesting is like if you, if you think about like, okay, well, if, if you did it the way I would do it, <laughs> you would have gone back, you know, year, year, somewhere between year five and 10, maybe sooner if you could have, and said... Let's not name our company after our product. Let's brand around what our essence is, what our identity is, not around a specific thing that we do, right? And then you wouldn't run into 25 years later having to rebrand your company, which for them, you know, costs them tens of millions of dollars, right? Not just the fees for an agency and all the creative, but you're talking about like how many physical things have to swap out in order to, to rebrand like that for a very established company. Yeah, I guess. So last segue question about, you know, outside pressure, like reasons to change your brand again. So you found your frequency, you found your identity and you feel like you're pretty crystal clear with what it is. Mm -hmm. But now people are like, Oh, tasers are bad or, you know, yeah, there's this overwhelming pressure in society that says, yeah. you know, tasers are ugly tools of the devil or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's, that's probably a tweet somewhere. Yeah, maybe that's the wrong example. Maybe uh, like Russian vodka. For, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like Rush. It's not popular to have a Russian anything it's, right now. It's so hard because yeah. I think every case is a little different. But I mean, for one, like consider how many times outside pressure is just a temporary trend. Right. I mean, even the Russian vodka thing, it's like, how long is that really going to last? <laughs> um, you know, that, to a point where people are like, we're just not going to buy anything that's named Russian. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not even that it's from Russia, right? The real issue is you have these companies that sound Russian, totally not Russian at all, you know, source of their vodka, but that 
kind of because vodka originated in Russia, right? So, um, it's like I, I just I have a hard time believing in that example that you would want to make some fundamental shift of who you are as an organization so dramatically based on like some temporary pressure or these social issues. Or yeah. These, yeah. So, I mean, you have to, I think, consider that, like how, how long term do we think this is? How integral is it to our brand? Um, is this something that like our brand would naturally fight for? We like, like if no one was screaming at us to do it, would we, would we fight for it? Right. I can think of like Patagonia, right? Like they fight they're, they're, at their heart. They are an environmentally conscious company. And so they don't, they don't have to like be force fed from the outside to be environmentally conscious. It's part of who they are. So regardless of whether that's like politically correct in the moment, or there's a lot of loud voices in the room at the moment, that's what they're going to fight for. Right. Right. Um, and so I think that's like where it's like, yeah, do that hard work to figure out what, what are the causes? What are the issues that we're really concerned about? And if we're just not concerned about them, let's not let's not go there um because then they become distractions and like i don't i don't know if i want to get into specifics with a specific big company that everyone knows right now because it's a lot harder for me to talk about that because i don't know what's going on sure um but i have conversations with business owners here in the phoenix area who some of them own significant you know 800 900 person companies who are having to make these decisions right now about like social causes that Mm -hmm. they're like yeah, we see the danger. Like we, we might even personally be really like uh, called to some one of these issues, but it's not core. It's not core to who our organization is. It's not core to our brand. And we've seen this is directly from them. They've seen that they these become distractions in their company, mm. and they take away from their ability to serve the people that they actually have been serving for ten, fifteen, twenty years. Yeah. So maybe to bring this home. It sounds like going back to finding your frequency, a big part of that isn't just knowing who we are and what we do want to do, yep. but it's about what can we say no to? Yeah. It's like, here are all those, dis- well, we're going to call them distractions yeah. and, and be so super like focused, hyper-focused on what we do want to do, what we, what we do pursue and what we're, and that way we can say no to all yeah. 9 million you know, yeah. things that get thrown if, at us. If your employees are really into that, like there's a contingent of them that are really passionate about one of these issues, it's like, great, you've provided a job that allows them to, on their free time to go do whatever it is they want to do, mm-hmm. right? But we're not, we're not spending organizational time and energy on those issues right now because that's not who we are. Right. And those might be important issues, right? Sure. I, I, I think that's the... There's a communication element in there of like, hey, we're we're not we're not saying these are not good issues. Right. But it's not mutually exclusive. Like, I don't know. I was thinking about uh, it's like a capital V value versus a, versus a small V value. Like, yep. like, maybe these capital V values are the ones that we've identified as yep. this is us. Yeah. That doesn't mean that the small V values are not important. Yep. They're just not core to who we are and where we're going. No. And if you've already established that they're small V values, uh-huh. if you be- if you let them become big V values, they'll something else has to leave the table, right? One of your big V values is going to get pushed out. Well, and then you're also introducing just the opportunity to kind of adjust to anyone's whim, right? Yep. You cater to whatever is the prevailing uh, opinion yeah. of the day, right? And that that's dangerous for your your company too. Yeah, I mean, 
how many companies have we seen and not just on social issues i mean it, even the marketplace right like customers demanding a certain product or a change to your product because they have a personal preference mm-hmm. right and you cater to them and the next thing you know it's like we have bloated product features right especially this happens in technology right or it's like we kept adding more features for all the different customers who are very loud and very opinionated, but we're a minority of people, right? And the next thing you know, you have this product that like nobody really likes because they're like, uh, it's, <laughs> it's just, trying to do too many things. It's doing too many things, <laughs> right? I got a question for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this might be a cliffhanger. Ooh. Forgive me in advance. <laughs> can, can an authentic brand be canceled? Marka Brand Podcast is a project of Resound and is recorded in Tempe, Arizona with hosts Mike Jones and David Kosand. It's produced and edited by Sam Pagel. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and at RemarkableCast.com. If you'd like more episodes, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. To contact the show, Find out more about the Remarka Brand podcast or to join our newsletter list to make sure you never miss another episode. Check out our website at remarkablecast.com. Copyright Resound Creative Media LLC 2022.